Now, this is kind of a rhetorical question. Have you ever felt like your life is in a rut? Going nowhere? Not really having any interest in going anywhere? It feels as if you are, are going nowhere fast. And you're stalled on the tracks of life. You know, several years ago, many years ago, and I was in graduate school, I was working on my thesis and I got stuck. I had writer's block. And I know many of you have had the similar situations and I just couldn't come through. I couldn't think of what to write. And my advisor came to me almost every week. Give me some papers. Give me some pages. I need to be able to read what you have to say. Just write anything. And it didn't work. So finally she came to me and she said, you know, I learned long ago that poets have a very helpful way to get what they want when they're writing, and especially when they are, have a writer's block. They do everything they can to write one line a day, just one, one line a day. And then the next day, another line. And then the next day, another line. And that worked. I didn't have to compose a, a huge amount of, of uh, research for her. Just write one or two lines and then go from there. I think we have writer's block sometimes in our spiritual life. In our text for this morning, in Chronicles, the Israelites, I guess, had writer's block. They were tired. They were stalled in their faith. They had been very active up to that point. They were conquering kingdoms and securing the promised land and making sure everything is perfect to enter into the promised land. But now what? Moses was denied to go into the promised land and now he's encouraging them to go in and finish the job and to build a temple. But their faith had lagged. They had stalled on the tracks. You see, a vital and alive faith is one that is constantly moving, not sitting still, constantly moving, not satisfied with what you knew yesterday, always pushing and striving to learn more and more about the world, about yourself, and about how God works in your life constantly moving. A stagnant faith is the opposite. It's one that is still. I've stopped. It's like you've pushed the pause button. And sometimes it's because you've been working so hard doing different things, maybe for the church, maybe for God's kingdom, but you're now tired and all through that time that you were working, you weren't working on your faith. You were just doing stuff. You've put a pause on your faith. You might say to yourself, well, I've got so many things on my plate right now. I'll get back to it later. 
or I'm, I'm too busy right now. I'll, I'll look at my spiritual life someday. And then that someday never comes. You just keep putting it off and putting it off. I think it's pretty obvious I'm an older guy. And I'm not into all the sophisticated IT, you know, social media, all that stuff. But my children are always trying to get me up to speed. And my youngest daughter was the best at it. She was constantly sending me texts or sending me uh, videos or sending me uh, things. That she, and she came across this blog. I would never have looked for a blog. I didn't even know how to find a blog. But she showed me how to get to this blog, and it really struck me. I, I just wanted to hold on to this because it, I think it speaks to a lot of us. I don't know if this is a man or a woman, but they wrote this in their blog. Hello all, I am new to this forum, so I hope this is the right place for my post. My question or my problem is I feel as though I am stagnant in my faith. I feel like my prayers are all the same and I don't feel as though I'm moving any closer to God. I was wondering if anyone knew of any books or DVDs or podcasts that may aid me in getting out of my rut. I think that could have been written by many of us today. We're just stuck. And we don't know how to get out. As I mentioned to the young children, a fresh body of water requires a constant flow going in and out. And that's the same thing with your spirit. There needs to be a constant flow in and out in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul. In a stagnant faith, the fresh waters aren't there anymore. The soul is not being refreshed. It's dying. David's suggestion to Solomon and to the people who were now stalled was this. And it was, they were stalled because it was time now for them to build the temple of God. And as I mentioned before, uh, Moses was not allowed to build that temple. He reminds them what God has done for them. That was the first thing. Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not granted you rest on every side, meaning peace in, the, in, their, in that country? For he has handed the inhabitants of the land over to me, and the land is subject to the Lord and to his people. God is still with us. That's what Moses is saying. God is still with us. He has paved the way for our future. When we are in a rut, we need to remind ourselves that God has not abandoned us. We need to reflect, remember, meditate on what God has done for us. I find it very helpful when I'm really struggling and I'm not centered spiritually, 
to think of all the things that God has done in my life in the past. And the more I focus on that, the more I realize that God's still here. And God wants to lift me up and God wants to fill my soul and God wants to flow through me. My picture of God at times is fuzzy. So we need to somehow clear it up. You know, today, technology has some pretty fancy cameras that can just, you know, a button or two and it clears everything up or even takes people out of the picture. And even with now our, our smartphones, they're just as good. I mean, they're fantastic. And they use that as, as an advertisement that we got the better, um, we got the better uh, camera in our phone. So buy our phone. But it's all about getting the right picture and all about focusing. But it's not that easy for the, with the spirit. You can't focus the spirit like a camera. So how do you keep it focused? Moses says, now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. That's it. Devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. This is a, a critical step before you begin to rebuild the temple. And what God, what God is saying to us is that we've got a temple in here that he wants you to build. But you've got to be prepared and you've got to be ready and you've got to be strong and ready to, to participate. And that's what uh, Moses was saying to the people. We're ready. We got all the tools. We got all the equipment. God's behind us. Let's go. Paul had a similar way of encouraging his people. He said, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. It is, it's the same instructions that Moses gives to, I mean, David gives to Solomon and the people. Train yourself. It's, it's a word, the Greek word he use, he's using here is a word that we end up having to translate as gymnasium. We get gymnasium from this Greek word. And gymnasium means it's a vigorous exercise. How many of us truly have had a vigorous exercise in our spiritual walk? Vigorous. Exercise also is repetition. How many reps do you do? You go to any weight room or any uh, place where they have a gymnasium and they're working out hard, you're always asked that question. Well, what are you working on? How many reps do you do? And of course, if you want to build strength, it's smaller reps and more weight. If you want to build uh, endurance, it's lighter weight and more reps. Isn't that kind of the same with our spirit? Do we want to build spiritual muscle? Do we want to build spiritual endurance? Yes. We need both. 
We need the endurance to be able to walk through the fire, to walk through the troubles, to walk through the issues that we face every single day. And we need the muscle to lift those burdens off ourselves or someone else. Paul is calling on Timothy to repeatedly exercise his spirit. So our faith measures how in shape we are spiritually. And exercise, the exercise routine is this. Number one, and you've heard it over and over from countless pastors, number one is prayer. Somehow or another, however you do it, communicate to God. You may not know what to do. I've had many people say, well, what do I pray? Well, how about every single day when you wake up, just pray the Lord's Prayer. That's it. Start with the Lord's Prayer or the Serenity Prayer. Or maybe you can graduate to pray in your own prayer and the prayer might simply be, help me. That's okay. Or it might be, give me the strength or the courage to deal with what I have to deal with this week. Prayer is essential to spiritual activity in our lives. And then number two, read God's word. Yeah, I know you've heard it many times, but that's the truth. Read God's word every day. Again, like my professor used to tell me, how about just read one line at a time? One line a day. And you continue to read and pray whether you want to or not. And then number three, which is very, very important in our spiritual strength, our spiritual walk, fellowship. Fellowship is extremely important. And what I'm talking about there is have developing relationships with other Christians that you know so that when you are in need, you have a backup. You have people that will surround you like this church community. People who will stand up for you when they hear there's something wrong, they're there. That's the fellowship. You need to pray, read God's word, and have fellowship. But repetition is the key every day. And number three, he says to the Israelites, rebuild the temple. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord so that you bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into the temple that will be built for the name of the Lord. The purpose of building the temple is to bring God back into your life. You've got to build the temple first. And then after you build the temple, the temple houses the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the sacred things. What's the Ark of the Covenant? It's the presence of the Lord. You're bringing in the presence of the Lord into your temple. And you're bringing in the sacred things into your temple. And the sacred things are those things that nurtures the presence of the Lord 
in your heart. That what nurtures it. Your faith is stagnant because you, your temple is empty of the sacred. Revelations, in Revelations, we read about the wealthy city of Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, hot, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm means it's the sin of indifference. An indifference to faith caused by the life situations that we have. We become indifferent to our spiritual walk because we've got so much going on in our lives. The Laodiceans described it this way. I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Pause. They put a pause on their spiritual walk because I got everything. I don't need anything. Our life circumstances so often causes our indifference toward a strong and spiritual life. Several years ago, I wrote, I read an article in leadership, a leadership journal by Steve Moore. And it was an article entitled, A Graceful Goodbye. And he was describing what happened in a nursing home when they were having a big, a big ceremony. And one of their uh, residents was asked to speak. And that resident happened to be Do Dr. Paul Brandt. Some of you have heard of him, some of you have not an amazing missionary medical doctor and a man who worked with leprosy in Louisiana for many, many years. He wrote, co-wrote a book or a couple of books with Phil Yancey, one in, entitled Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. When it was Brant's turn to speak, he said this, I remember well when I was at my physical peak I was 27 years old and had just finished medical school. A group of friends and I were mountain climbing and we could climb for hours. For some, for some people, when they cross that peak, for them, life is over. I've reached that peak and that's it. I remember well, he said, my mental peak, too. I was 57 years of age and was performing groundbreaking hand surgery. All of my medical training was coming together in one place. For some people, when they cross this peak, for them, that's it. Life is over. Can't get any better. And then he ends it with this. Says, I'm, I'm now over 80 years of age. I recently realized I'm approaching another peak, my spiritual peak. All I have sought to become as a person has the opportunity to come together, to come together finally in wisdom and maturity and kindness and love and joy and peace. And I realize. When I cross that peak for me, 
Life will not be over. It will only be beginning.